This sermon is titled Faith and Science, Part 1. Can science explain it all? Be enriched as you listen. Good morning, church. Are we all doing well? All right. So good to see all the bright faces. And uh, welcome this morning for a new series of Faith and Science. So are we ready? Any science students here? Any people of faith here? Oh, lovely. Okay. All right. So we're going to be dealing with a new series on faith and science, and we hope to keep this as a five-part series over the next five weeks starting today. And the topics that we have um, that we'd like to bring about today is can science explain it all? The next topic would be the six days of Genesis, then the origins of the cosmos, the creator God and origin of the species. So we have a lot of heavy lifting to do in the last five weeks. So I hope you've come geared to listen and to stay awake. Okay, so as we go through this series, our intent, uh, intent is to really address common questions that generally come about in conversations with regard to faith and science. And, I'm, and I suppose some of us would have been there. And uh, we hope to address some questions like the questions about the existence of God, where did life originate from, where did we originate from, um, what is the, the creation account that's given in Genesis? Um, does, does science explain everything? Do people of faith engage in science? So there are some of these questions that we are going to be looking at. And we hope that, uh, we hope that this information will be useful as you continue to minister and maybe share um, these conversations with others around. So... Um, the, the material and the resources that we've used to compile the sermon uh, has been listed on the sermon notes, which will be available on the website. And if you would be interested, you can go to the URL apcwo.org forward slash faith and science, and you could download this. Through the series, if you do have questions, you could um, feel free to email your questions and even your feedback to us using either questions at apcwo.org or at feedback at apcwo.org, those email IDs, all right? So today, we're going to be talking about can science explain it all? Can science explain it all? So before we get to, the, um, to understanding that and maybe addressing some of these questions, I'd like to... Uh, probably build an understanding of these two words that we are going to be looking at, science and faith, okay? Science and faith. So uh, just a little bit of digging into what this is, okay? So science, what is science? It is a study of um, the structure and the behavior of whatever we see in our physical world, of whatever we see in our natural world. It is done usually in a very systematic and an organized manner through observation or through experimentation 
and we take the application of the knowledge that we get from it. So that's what we describe as science. Now, if you want to do a scientific procedure, it needs to have certain principles that we need to take off. Only then can we say that um, a scientific procedure, a scientific process is accurate. And let me just go through quickly some jargons, and I hope to explain it as best as possible to you. So some of the principles that we use in a scientific methodology is the first one is objective observation. Now, what does that mean? It's where you measure data based on what you observe. That is, you will record exactly what you will see and what you will, what what goes on before you. Like, for example, those of you who've done chemistry, you get into the chemistry lab and you observe whatever has happened. You do a titration and it will tell you what are your values and you observe exactly that. It's factual. You write it down. It, it is not influenced by your feelings or your opinions or your biases. Okay, so that's what objective observation is. The other principle that we're looking about at is inductive reasoning, which is the process of deriving general principles from particular facts or, or certain instances. So what you would do is you would start by making an observation and then you will have a, have a look at your, your broad data and you will look for patterns and finally you will come up to some kind of a general conclusion. So that's what induction is. The third principle that you see is repetition. So you would need to repeat an experiment and see if you're getting almost the same outcome. And that really explains that your, that, that your, your process is, is uh, valid or your process is accurate. So multiple trials by the same, in the same conditions, probably with the same, in the same person doing it, actually gives you a, um, it, it reduces the errors that you see, and that's what really makes a good scientific procedure. Are you awake? Okay, thank you. All right, I just got two more, and then uh, we'll get into the best part. And then there is critical analysis, where you're drawing inferences, and then you make a theory out of it. Like, for example, the law of gravity, something I think all of us know about. You know, someone kept observing that everything kept falling down, and there was a gravitational pull, and then that became a law. Okay, so that's what we mean by uh, critical analysis. And last one is verification and testing, where the procedures are verified through scrutiny, through peer review and through assessment. So if you look at science, it's a discovery and it is an ongoing process of learning and, and there is so much more left to really um, discover and explore and understand. Okay, and often, um, so what happens in a scientific process is you define, you take a problem, you say, okay, this is a problem I want to look into, you form a certain hypothesis or a presupposition or a premise, and then you go about trying to prove it or disprove it um, using the scientific method. So that's what science is in a big nutshell. Okay, all right. What's faith? Now, faith is a belief it's a firmly held belief that we hold in our inner person, that is, in our hearts or in our inner being. And we know that something is true because we have a conviction about it. There is an inner revelation, there is a conviction about it, which can be validated, which can be substantiated, either by observation or by our process of reasoning, 
or even our own experience, okay? And while faith can sometimes, uh, faith remains greater than observation, reasoning, and experience. So which means there may be very many things that faith cannot completely explain, okay? Now, since we've gone through these two definitions, and this is what we're going to be using as we go ahead. We're going to be looking at a list of questions that usually comes up, and um, we hope that you know this encourages you not just to share information, but just to know the God whom we serve. I mean, it's wonderful. As I was going through this entire series, it was so wonderful to, to really, um, you know, just come with accurate, substantial validation that God is a God of greatness. Amen? Okay, so let's de uh, delve right in. So the first question that we'd like to bring about is, can people of faith engage in science and the scientific method? So can we who are uh, people of faith, can we engage in science? Can we do something in science? So when we look back at modern science and the number of names of pioneers that you can think of. And I'm sure you will, you will at least know a few names like Galileo, Newton, yeah, rings a bell, Faraday, and that I have some more names, Boyle, um, uh, Kepler. Now, all of these, they were, they, were, uh, they were scientists, but they were seen and they were known to have a firm conviction in God. They were known to believe in God. So their faith was not in contrast to their scientific abilities, but rather it was in Congress with it. It was in harmony with it. So their faith was not in contrast to what their scientific acumen, but it was together, it was complementing their scientific abilities. So you can believe in God and still be a, Scientist, amen? How many of us can rejoice in that? All of us science, St. Joseph science students, right? You can be a scientist and still believe in God. Your faith in God does not have to bring down or cripple your scientific abilities. In fact, uh, even today, you know, if you actually look into the internet, you will find that a lot of scientists from the great universities in Oxford and Harvard and Cambridge, there are people who strongly are believers in God, okay? And um, the understanding that faith is superstitious and ignorant is false. And that's what we would like to bring about, that there's so much of complement that complementarism, if that is a word, sorry, between science and faith. Okay, so let's go into our second question. So can science explain everything? Can science explain everything? So a lot of the, um, uh, the, the material that we've taken up today uh, comes from um, the insights that shared by a scientist called as John Lennox. And he is an emeritus professor of mathematics at the University of Oxford and an emeritus fellow in mathematics and philosophy of science 
at Green Templeton College, Oxford University, and he has a lot of other credentials in it. And in his book, he answers this question, can science explain everything? There are some insights that he shared that we'd like to take you through today. So science also includes the study of you and me. It includes the study of human beings. It includes the study of our bodies, our mind, um, how we relate to uh, culture, how we relate to a society. And something inherent about a human being is the desire to know the meaning and significance of our lives. Right? You, I mean, go to anyone and they will probably have asked themselves this question, why am I here? What is the meaning and the significance of my life? And for us human beings, this meaning and significance is very crucial. The where, the how, the what, the why of our existence. And this is what we would like to look in today. So the next question, that leads us into the next question. Can science provide answers for the big questions of life? So what are some of these big questions? Now science discovers a lot of processes that happen. But we as human beings would like to find answers for the deeper truths of life. That's extremely critical for us. And this would mean our origin, what is our identity, where, what about our existence, why are we here, what about our morality, where are we going from here? And this is what we'd like to look into. A couple of questions that, um, uh, th those deep questions that really help us see what our significance and meaning is, okay? So what I'm gonna present to you is two views, the two worldviews. One is the atheist or the naturalist view of, of these deeper questions, and one is the Christian faith and how we see these questions. So are we ready? You're ready to be bowled over? Okay, that's the way. So the first question is our origin. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? Now, even as I look at the atheist or the, or the naturalist view, let me just give you a brief, uh, uh, help you to understand briefly that their philosophy or their philosophical belief is that everything arises from natural processes and causes. Everything arises from natural processes and causes. And anything to do with the supernatural or spiritual is completely discounted. Okay, so everything is natural properties, natural causes. That's what their belief is. So for the question, where do we come from, their understanding or their worldview is that we were evolved over time from primitive forms. So if you look through, some will tell you that you were formed from a single cell to 10 cells, to a monkey, to an ape, to a chimpanzee, you have all of it, right? So that's what that tells you, that you have come from a primitive form. Whereas what does the Christian faith tell you? The Christian faith tells you that all of life has meaning and significance. That's what it says. All of life has meaning and significance. And who, where did we come from? God created man. God created us for a purpose. 
You will read in scripture, Ephesians 2.10, what does it say? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we are all created by God for a particular purpose, ultimately for the glory of God. Amen? Okay, so our next crucial question, identity. Who are we? Who are we? So the atheist or the naturalist view, you know, it gives you, it tells you that you are a blob of organized mud, that you're goo. Okay, so it tells you that you are a higher life form, you've just evolved out of mud. You are actually as good as a rock you can see in Nandi Hills. That's as much as what you are. Not, I mean, not great, not much of a purpose that it has. That's what it tells, it tells you who you are. But what does Christian faith tell you? It tells you, come on now, you've got to answer this. We are born in the image of God. We are people made in God's image, which means being made in the image of God provides our very basis for our existence. Because we bear his image, we, that's the biggest reason for our existence. Amen? Isn't it, isn't it so much better than mud and goo? Yes. Okay. All right. The next one is, why are we here? What is the meaning of our lives? Why are we here? So the atheist or the naturalist view says that either you don't have a purpose or you figure out your purpose. If you don't have a purpose, good for you. If you, you, know, if you want, you go find your own purpose. Go figure out what you want to do. It can be making money. It can be just uh, lying in the bed and watching TV the whole day. It doesn't matter. Right? But what does the Christian faith say? Why are we here? We are here to glorify God and serve His purposes. We are called to serve Him and to do what He wants us to do so that we will have an impact into the greater kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Okay. The third one. How should we live our morality? Where does our morality come from? And how should we live? The atheist or the naturalist talks about relativism which is the belief that there is no absolute truth. And whatever an individual or a culture or a society believes in, that is truth. So one person could believe something and the other person in the very same family could believe something else and that's okay. So no one is held by anybody's moral standards. Whereas the Christian faith talks about our standards coming from biblical standards. Our morality comes from biblical standards. There again, it was not based on a code written by men, but it was given by a lawgiver. It was given by God. And that's what we follow. There are standards that we, we hold up to. Amen? So our morality comes from our lawgiver, our God, who wants us to live a life of righteousness. Amen? The last one, destiny. Where are we going? So what does the atheist and the naturalist say? There's nothing beyond it. There's nothing beyond this life. Where you are is six feet under the ground. That's where you are. You're six feet under the ground. You can stay there. Whereas in the Christian faith, this life isn't the last piece. It's not the end. It is the 
beginning. It's a beginning because we are going to be spending an eternity with God. For those who trust him, for those who believe him, we will be spending an eternity with God. So this is just our starting line. We have so much more to go ahead and look at. So through these questions that we've just looked into, what we see is that faith precisely explains what science cannot explain. Isn't it wonderful? Faith explains what science cannot explain. And this clarifies that faith and science does not have to be in contradiction with one another. They do not have to be competitors, but they are complementary. And, and, and in fact, that this uh, science and faith can coexist together, can work alongside with one another because they are different modalities of investigation. They're different ways of, um, uh, you know, the, the rational operations of the mind. It, it's different, but it, it explains something greater. It brings you a beautiful picture of these deeper questions. So it doesn't have to be in competition. It can work together. Amen? All right? Okay. So are we all good? Okay. So our next question would be, can science explain why things are the way that they are? Can science explains, explain why things are the way that they are? So science gives you a lot about the existence of different laws. And let's take gravity. It tells you that there is the law of gravity. There is an existence of it. It also tells you what the law is and how it can be used, or how it can be um, propelled, right? Like for example, because of the law of gravity, science tells you that if you want to come from the 10th floor to, the, to your parking, you can't just jump out of your 10th floor window, right? But you'll have to walk down the stairs. That's what it tells you, right? Yes? Okay, we haven't tried that yet, isn't it? Okay, good. Or it tells you that if you want to send a rocket from the Earth to Mars, it will tell you the speed at which you can propel that so it, you know, it escapes that field, the gravitational field, so it can reach there. That's what the law of gravity tells you. That's what science tells you. But however, what it doesn't tell you is it doesn't tell you why is it there. Why is it there? Okay? And how did it come? into existence. So what science cannot answer is the why of things. It looks at the what and the how, but the rationality of the why is something that science cannot explain. And this is something that faith can address. Amen? Okay. Now, can science create the laws of nature? Can science create the laws of nature? Um, now, just like, you know, what we spoke about earlier, the laws of nature that science discovers does not describe how these laws came to existence. Okay? We, we saw that. Now, the law of gravity cannot create gravity. Or the law of motion, the law in itself, does not have the power or the intellectual ability to create the law. Right? So the law cannot create, the law of motion cannot create motion. And we see that science 
only explains, like I said, what it is, but it does not again explain, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't create it, it doesn't bring it about into existence. So theories and law, we know, that cannot bring matter or energy or anything else into existence. So it just tells you about what it is, but it doesn't say of, it cannot prove how it was created in the first place. Okay? Next. Has science done away with God? Has science really found the need not to have God? Now, scientists do claim um, that science can explain all things. And they say that theists or the people of faith are those who are operating from a philosophy called as the God of the gaps. Okay, so they say science explains everything and we, the people of faith, have just, uh, you know, we fall under this umbrella and say we just explain everything as God of the gaps. Now, what is this God of the gaps? It's a God, God of the gaps, it means a God who exists only when we need an explanation for something that science can't. Okay, that's what they say. And or that, that this God is a placeholder of things that we do not understand. And we can do away with God, with this God, if, you know, in time, science is going to keep exploring and finding out more. It builds its knowledge. At a, at a point of time, everything will be explainable, so we do not need God. Okay? And, and the God of gaps will be done away with. The God of the Bible is not the God of the gaps. Amen? The God of the Bible is the omniscient God. He is a God who is everything, who knows everything, who's created everything. He understands things, of, things that we understand, things that we do not understand. He knows the whole thing. There isn't any gap in his knowledge, in his wisdom. He is, he is wisdom. He is knowledge. He is full of infinite wisdom so so there so so, the, so a sci scientist's um, uh, argument that he is a god of the gaps does not apply to the god of the bible amen the next thing that they say is that um, it's uh, our go uh, that god is a material god now if you look at uh, different cultures you know a lot of cultures do um, take as their deities the thunder, the sun, the lightning, right? And science has explained this phenomena today. So in a lot of cultures, they didn't know what this lightning was or why the sun came, right? And uh, now science has explained that they are elements that are there in, in the universe. And so, because they were worshipped in some cultures, since, they, since science has explained it, they say, you know, it can, God can be done away with. But again, the God of the Bible is not a material God. He is not invented by man and, and given a name through the elements of what we see in the firmament. We do see that the God of the Bible was there even before the material world. And he is the creator of everything that we see in the material world today, in the physical space today. He is, he is the God of everything that is material. Amen? The next thing that they talk about is that human reason, 
did not create the universe. Human reason did not create this universe. Now, science does not explain where human reasoning came from. Okay? It just doesn't have an answer. Um, in fact, human reason came to being only after the universe, right? And, and we see that human reason is still, uh, the scientists are still using their reason, reasoning to learn more and more about things of the world. So we do find that the universe is what came first and only then came science that uses reasoning to discover things of the world. So, and, and we are able to figure and understand that human reason did not create the ability to reason. We develop the ability to reason. We cannot create reasoning in someone. Can you, you know, is it, is it possible to go to a dog and say, come on, reason this out with me? No, right? You can't. Or you go to your child and say, reason it out. No, you can help them develop it, but not help create it, right? So human reason did not create this universe. The universe came in well before human reasoning came about. So can we do science right? Now, how do we do science right? Now, when science explains and reveals the complexities that are there, what does it actually point out to? It points out to the greatness and to the vastness of God. The more and more that you research something, it actually tells you about the greatness of God. And one thing I think that has always intrigued me, which I'm sure may intrigue many of you, is the DNA. Yes, the DNA is that one specific genetic code that each one of us have in every one of our cells. And in each of that DNA, what does God do? He imprints a hidden message of his love and his purpose for you and me. He imprints it. He puts it in there. So can you imagine the God of all creation, the big God, the the, the great, vast God, I don't even have vocabulary to explain that, can write into the smallest unit of my life, of your life. Can you imagine the greatness of that, of, of a God like that? You know, that he has, the fact is that, you know, he didn't use a cookie cutter. He didn't, he didn't have samples of DNA and say, okay, one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. You know, he didn't have just three samples and gave it to me. No, it wasn't a cookie cutter method. It wasn't a factory machine. It was a designer's concept. Do you know that you are the only kind? The only kind? Can you turn around to your neighbor and say, you are the only kind? And the more and more that you explore that, it helps you understand that God is so great, he's so vast, he's so big. It just testifies the, the intelligence, the goodness, the greatness, the, the love of our God. Amen? So that's what science, if we can do it right, it points you to a God that is so very 
personal, yet so very cosmic and global. It tells you that. That when you, you know, when you just spend a night just crying out to God, you know, he's there hearing your prayer, just like he is doing a hundreds and millions and billions around the world. Wow. And that just gives me goosebumps. So what are we seeing is that these complexities are not by chance. We cannot even think about how, you know, can't even say that these are natural processes. This came about by chance. There has to be a super intelligent design behind these complexities. And the more we use scientific knowledge to explain something, the more it points to God. And we see that, you know, when we engage in that to understand about science, it just opens out such a huge window about who God is. And I'd like to quote C.S. Lewis um, on what he says. He says, men became scientific because they expected law in nature and they expected law in nature because they believed in a legislator. Amen. Okay, are we good? Build up some faith? Okay, yeah, you could just look at the awesome God and say, oh God, there's so much more of you. Our next question is, does science inherently include a leap of faith? Does science, do you need a leap of faith to completely just believe in science? And uh, that's what we're going to look at. And often atheists say that they do not have faith. They say, we don't believe, we don't have faith. Actually, they're lying, they actually do. And let's look at some reasons as to what and uh, I mean, how, how, how do they operate in faith? So first we, you know, we recognize that atheist belief is the philosophy of naturalism, which I told you is that everything emerges from natural properties and causes. Everything emerges from that. Now, for the very fact that they believe in that in order to do their science is that they have to have that faith, right? They don't have the faith in God but they do have the faith in the rational intelligibility of the universe. That they have to believe that nothing came out of, I mean, something came out of nothing, they have to believe that. So they actually do have faith, although it's not in a God, right? So it isn't true when they say they don't have faith. What's the second reason? So they believe that, um, uh, yeah, that, that the theories and laws or like we say, the nothing, we don't know from where it came, can create that something and produce such a grand design. It can, you know, it, it tells us about our origin, it tells us about our, uh, our purposes, it tells us about where are we going to, but none of this seems proved. None of this is proven. So this nothing came, uh, the something came out of nothing is not even proved. And thirdly, something that we looked at is, when we looked at initially when we spoke about you know the scientific methodology we said that it needs to be repeated something needs to be repeated to really see if there is accurate results can you create a universe once again can can they go back and create a controlled environment replicate the same theories and create a fresh universe that in itself negates the fact that their scientific methodology has failed. Yeah? 
right? So they, all of what they are doing is also a leap of faith, except that it's in the wrong place, right? But they do operate from that place of faith. Our next question we are going to look at is, is belief in God a delusion? And that's something that you would have heard people say, you know, you're, you're crazy to believe in God uh, or, or it's, it's a sign of your weakness or it's a sign of cowardice. Is belief in God a delusion? And I want to just explain this word delusion to you, which is a term used in psychiatry, which is a firmly irrational, persistent, false belief that somebody holds on to in the face of strong contrary evidence, right? There is no evidence to what you're believing in, but you still hold on to something. And this is what an atheist would say. An atheist would say, if God does not exist, then faith in God is the grand delusion. And you would have heard of uh, a very famous scientist called Stephen Hawking. And this is what he says um, in line with what we just spoke about. He made this statement. He said, there is no heaven or afterlife that is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. That's what he said. But in contrast to this, let's say that if God does exist, then atheism is the grand delusion. It is an escape from the reality of a creator, a blissful avoidance of the truth, that there is life hereafter and one must stand in judgment before God. And John Lennox, in response to Stephen Hawking, who's a scientist and a believer, said this. He said, atheism is a fairy story for people afraid of the light. Amen. So what we believe in is a firm, true genuine, authentic belief. We come to our last question. The question is, does science contradict the Christian faith? Now, it, now, after we've gone through all of these questions, it is a wrong understanding that science and the Christian faith do not mix. We have enough evidence and there is, and we, we see that science is, lie, is an investigation. It's something that you look into, into see God's creation, and therefore cannot contradict the Christian faith. In fact, it can only complement, it can only come together, it can work together, because they are different ways of investigation, but it really points you to a God who's great. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'd just like to bring about some scripture that helps us see how God so much desires that we are scientific-minded, you know? I mean, that, this blew my mind as well. Uh, could I also call up the worship team to get ready before we just close? So let's look at some, some scripture, um, and I'd like to read out some scripture to you. Psalm 115, verse 6, 16. It says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of mankind. What did God give you? He gave you the earth. And what does he want you to do with the earth? Wants you to explore it. Wants you to discover it. Wants you to study. Wants you to find out what there is. And steward it. And use whatever you find in it. You know, for your benefit. 
That's, what, that's why God gave you the herd. He, he, made you, he made you a steward of it. He's given it into your hands. Isaiah 26, sorry, Isaiah 28, 23 to 29, and let me read that for you. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear my words. Does the farmer plow continually to plant seed? Does he continually turn and break up his ground? Does he not level its surface and sow dill and scatter cumin and plant wheat in rows, barley in its place and rye within its areas? Verse 26, for his God instructs and teaches him properly. So God tells you what to do in your garden. Let's go on. Verse 27, for dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is the cartwheel driven over cumin, but dill is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a club. Grain for bread is crushed. Indeed, he does not continue to thresh it forever because the wheel of his cart and his horses eventually damage it. He does not thresh it longer. This also comes from the Lord of armies who has made his counsel wonderful and his wisdom great. So what, is this, what are these verses telling you? That God is the one who empowers you towards investigation and to discover things of his creation that you can use. He tells you about plants. He tells you about, about things around that you can use to have a great crop. He, he tells you about how you could probably use certain, certain laws of nature to, in, in fact, create things around your home. That's what he's given you. He's given you that ability, that, that wisdom that you can use. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. So do you know that in anything you look at, in a planet, in the light, in the stars, in your body, in your eyes, in your children, in things around, you will see an attribute of God. You will see the greatness and the vastness of what God has done in you. Amen? And that is so clear. When we look, you will find. When you look at the trees, when you go on the morning walk, if you have just looked at the different kinds of leaves, the contours of those leaves, just the colors that are there, it will, it will just show you how colorful the Lord is and how much of beauty He brings into things of the universe. And lastly, Psalm 8, 3 to 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you think of him and a son of man that you are concerned of him? All of creation speaks of God's greatness and vastness and yet he knows my inner thoughts, something nobody else can understand and know. And that's how great a God is that we serve. Amen. Can we all please stand to our feet and let's just respond to our message, to the message we... So in conclusion, there are certain things that we just like to sum up for us to take home with us. That faith 
and science does not have to conflict with one another rather it complements one another faith and science can work together we you and i can be people of faith and we can as well engage in knowing about god through science and science not just points to the greatness of what we see but he's chosen us you and me he speaks to us that's how personal he is let's just respond and i invite the worship team to just lead us to time of worship
Psalms uh, 111 and verse 2 says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Um, so those who, uh, all those who study the, the various fields of science, um, cosmology, biology, uh, zoology, you know, all the ologies, uh, they're studying the works of the Lord. And it says, his works are great. Uh, you know, today, if, uh, if you're grappling with the existence of God, uh, uh, I want to do two things. Uh, uh, I want to give an invitation first to people, folks who are, who are grappling uh, with uh, the existence of God. Maybe uh, you found it difficult to put your faith uh, in a God. And as we, uh, as it was spoken this morning, about who God is. He's not a God of the gaps. He's not a uh, person who's uh, far away. He's someone who's beyond all this material world, beyond time, beyond matter, beyond space, because He created all of this. And today, if you hear His voice tugging on your heart, asking you to recognize who He is. If you hear that voice this morning, I invite you to respond to that. You know, if, you've, if you've not done that ever, I just want to uh, invite you to respond and, and I can help you uh, with the prayer, but you've got to make it your own. If you've, if you've never prayed uh, to the Lord, to the, to the God of the universe, I invite you to do that right now. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you. Ask Him to open up your eyes to perceive who He is. You know, we would, uh, uh, if, you, if you see a, a simple message uh, even written on uh, a beach, say, John loves Mary, you'd look for either John or Mary and if that simple message has an originator, this entire universe, which is speaking messages and volumes of an intelligent, 
powerful almighty god is today calling you he wants to tell you that he loves you he wants to tell you that he knows you and he made you for a purpose and i just invite you to to respond to this god this morning if you've never done this before just request you to pray this prayer with me Lord Jesus I come to you as I am I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed I thank you for the sacrifice that you made that I can be redeemed from my sins ask you to make me a child of god and lead me in the everlasting path to salvation in jesus name amen man if you prayed this prayer this morning uh, for the very first time in your life uh, can i request you to raise your hands uh, again i don't want to embarrass anyone but uh, you know if you made this decision if you made this prayer uh, can i request you to please lay, raise your hands uh, we'd like to support you with with some material uh, that can help you uh, in this journey in knowing god uh, anyone anyone here in this auditorium if you pray this prayer yeah rashus will give you a a, a bag uh, uh, that there's a decision card you can please fill that card and hand it over to us if there's any anyone else in the auditorium uh, if you'd like to do that uh, please do so uh, please ask uh, our ushers for the for the material they'll pass that on to you uh, anyone watching online uh, if you want to uh, take a hold of this material just uh, put that in the in the chat and one of our chat administrators will uh, will respond to you um the second thing um let's take a, a minute to pray uh, for each one of us uh, who who know the lord and uh, would like to engage with others uh, about this god the greatness of our god right and and how faith and science can complement each other uh, let's pray uh, for the grace uh, and let's pray that uh, uh, we would bring this message we bring the truth and we bring it with grace we'll bring it with uh, with with all uh, um, uh, you know all humility all um, love as the father would okay let's let's just do that this morning father we thank you for this message to brought to our hearts oh god and we pray uh, that you would help us grow in the truth oh lord that you you would help us to be people who live by the truth lord and that you would help us oh god even as we uh, engage with people in our in our lives uh, in our circumstances oh god that you would help us to bring this message of truth that you would help us to bring it with with, with all grace with all love as you would oh god help us oh god we pray oh god that uh, hearts would be open we pray god that you would you'd fill us uh with with that seal with that courage you got to to reach out to those who are lost we thank you god for this we thank you and praise you we give you thanks for your greatness 
has no bounds. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Break through, oh God. Through our doubts, through our fears. Break through. We invite you to do that, oh God. Thank you, oh Jesus. Thank you. Let's close. May the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forever. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.